Hi, this is Zia here. Thanks for joining. Our guest today is a highly accomplished IT executive and an award-winning CIO, Judy Tapshago. I'm sure we'll learn a lot today. Without further ado, let's get started. Hi, Judith. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining. Hi, thank you for having me. So uh, as we were talking before we started recording, uh, Judith, uh, the idea for the podcast is uh, people like me as uh, some of the other people who are selling into the enterprises and some of the sales heads to learn from your experiences of interacting with you know, multiple sales organizations throughout your career, right? Uh, so that, that's the intent for the podcast. Uh, so to get this started, uh, it would be great if you can tell us Talk to us about your journey so far. Uh, where did you start from? Connect the dots for us, if you may, uh, Judith. Uh, sure, we'll do that. Um, so I'm, I'm currently with uh, Amtrak as VP of IT, responsible for our corporate and operations technologies. So I'll kind of work uh, a little bit backwards. I, I joined Amtrak about 18 months ago, and I uh, came here uh, from previous CIO and IT leadership roles and this opportunity to kind of help influence and, and uh, shape some of the business and process transformation through the use of technology at Amtrak. Uh, but what led me here, I started my career in process improvement and in uh, looking at how technology could help enable business process change. My first role was actually with the federal government, Department of Defense, and I worked there for several years uh, just looking at how to help reinvent government and make it operate a little more like private sector. Left there and went to consulting, and I was with uh, one of the big five at the time, PricewaterhouseCoopers, and similar theme. It was all around how can we help uh, streamline business processes by leveraging technology. And after uh, working with the big consulting company for several years, I then left and went to a smaller IT consulting company where I focused on a few specific uh, large technology implementations. And uh, left consulting and decided to go uh, work in the industry and spent quite a few years in life sciences and biotech. And I started with a company uh, called Invitrogen. I was there for... Uh, several years as a project manager. And again, most of the projects were focused around leveraging technology to help enable business change and efficiency, you know, grow revenues, scale the business, and those type of improvements. And while I was at Invitrogen, uh, Invitrogen acquired another company by the name of BioReliance, and I was asked to lead the IT organization for BioReliance and to help implement some pretty large uh, process improvement initiatives while I was there. Um, they ended up selling that company, so I went with the sale and became head of IT for BioReliance and continued the business transformation and, and process improvement initiatives under private equity ownership for several years. Uh, then BioReliance was acquired by Sigma Aldrich, and uh, Sigma Aldrich uh, you know, kept BioReliance as a business unit, combined it with some other life science uh, groups, and I was uh, running the IT organization for their life science services, the services arm of the company. Um, again, continuing some of those same process improvement initiatives. Uh, and then a few years later, was approached by U.S. Silica, which is a mining and minerals company, to uh, come lead their IT organization. And the, the company was going through a major growth uh, curve. U.S. Silica is a mining and minerals company that was marketing a, a lot of their business to the oil and gas industry. And oil and gas was going through a pretty big boom with uh, the in, the uh, advent of hydraulic fracturing, 
And I ended up coming there to help implement technologies that would let the business scale. Um, so I was there for about five and a half years, and we did a lot of really exciting projects. Uh, and then the company moved to Houston, Texas. So I chose to stay here in the D.C. metro area, and that's what led me to Amtrak, where I am today. Amtrak obviously sounds to be a exciting t- place to be in right now. Uh, a lot of major changes happening there from a transformation perspective. Yeah, we have uh, quite a few initiatives. The, the breadth of my role is, is, you know, pretty broad. I support our operations department, which is uh, what's used, you know, for train operations, our transportation, mechanical, and engineering teams. Um, I also support our security and uh, safety departments, which is huge for, as you can imagine, for a train company. Uh, and then all the back office technologies, so the HR, finance, procurement, and we have. Uh, pretty heavy legal department. So, you know, my, my team supports all of those initiatives. And we are, uh, you know, we have dozens of <laughs> various initiatives going on at any point in time, some uh, pretty significant. We have a major enterprise asset management project that's uh, going to transform how we maintain our, our equipment, uh, our trains, and, and other large uh, infrastructure and, and equipment. Uh, to be more predictive and prescriptive about how we maintain the equipment. So that's a, a major multi-year initiative. Um, then we have quite a few back office, you know, uh, like any company that's trying to be more efficient in the finance and HR arena. Um, we're going through quite a bit of, of transformation in those departments as well. And then we're always focused on safety. So we're leveraging technology to implement a new safety management system. Uh, we're also looking to bring a lot of our safety documentation online. So we're implementing tablets for a lot of the, the folks in our transportation department so that they can have all their what we call rule books or all the you know procedures and guideline, guidelines that they need to follow that they have it in, in a tablet instead of carrying you know reams of paper uh, so those are just a handful of the things that we're doing but yeah there's there's process transformation happening throughout the company I also noticed that uh, uh, in 2018, you were the recipient of the Enterprise Capital CIO of the Year uh, Orbi Award, uh, Judith, and also the Philanthropist Award in 2016. Uh, any, any, anything you can tell us about those awards? Oh, sure. Thanks. Um, well, the Philanthropic Award was from the American Diabetes Association. I've been supporting and working with the ADA for a lot of years uh, because I have close connections uh, within my family to um Folks who've, you know, been impacted pretty heavily by, by diabetes. So that was sort of a passion for me. And I uh, supported the ADA and led uh, corporate teams working with the ADA for a lot of years. So they recognized that, which was really, really nice. Um, and then the Orbi Award, I'm quite proud of that and actually just has led to a lot of really good things. The Orbi Award is put out by Inspire CIO. They have chapters all over the country. And the local chapter is called Capital CIO. Uh, was founded actually after I received the award. I was one of the inaugural recipients, and that led to the formation of the local capital CIO chapter. So we're now a few years in, and it's a growing chapter, and it's a really great um, community of CIOs and IT leaders here in the D.C. metro area, but it's also connected to this broader nationwide community of CIOs and, and IT leaders, and it's just been really phenomenal for networking and, uh, you know, making connections and just being able to expand, uh, you know, my own personal connections to folks I can now call up, you know, people who are going through similar challenges and we can, you know, kind of talk about how we how we uh, are tackling those things and just, you know, kind of a, a really nice, friendly group of, of um, IT leaders that 
I now have as a, a huge uh, resource that's available to me. So that award was was uh, you know foundational to just kind of being able to continue to grow and, and develop professionally. Congratulations on both those awards. Thank you. In in your current role, uh, what products or services do you directly buy or influence for the rest of the organization? Uh, well, you know, again, because we're going through a major transformation, there's um, some products and services we already own and we're trying to better leverage and use what we have. And others, you know, we go to market and, you know, Amtrak has uh, fairly rigorous procurement processes. So we're typically going to market and doing competitive uh solicitations for various products and services. But, you know, we uh, we have, uh, you know, ERP is kind of central to a lot of our back office. Uh, we are an SAP shop, so we do quite a bit with, uh, you know, leveraging the SAP platform and, and continuously looking at how we can get more from our investment. Uh, and then, you know, we uh, typically are looking, it's, it's typically, I'm, I'm focused more on the application side. I do have colleagues who support us from the infrastructure and security arenas, uh, but a lot of our emphasis and focus is around the applications. So in addition to SAP, you know, there's um, other investments that we've made in technologies to support the, the needs of our business. Uh, so I typically, my team would be, you know, getting involved anytime we're looking for a an application or, or a technology solution to to help solve various business problems. So there's a kind of a whole you know spectrum without uh, naming specific vendors, but of, of different kind of uh, technologies that we get involved with. Uh, over the last uh, many years, uh, you have worked uh, obviously worked with many external sales organizations. If you could talk to us about it, this is an open question, a very broad question. Obviously, you know your experiences overall, what what you felt were the best practices, your learnings and how you have also kind of, uh, you know, learned from the whole thing and started interacting with the external sales organization. Sure. Uh, well, you know, I, I I have certainly dealt with a lot of different vendors over the years, and I can say that uh, the ones that have been most effective and most valuable to me are those that look at, at me as a partner and where every conversation is about uh, learning more about our business and learning more about what our needs are and not so much about selling. I find the ones that are directly coming out and selling is really a turnoff. Uh, I think not just for me, but in general, because you know that you get the sense that it's all about the sale. It's all, you know, a means to an end. Whereas the, the vendors that I form lasting relationships with are the ones that are really trying to be a solution partner and sometimes may advise us to do something that's not necessarily in the vendor's best interest, but is in our best interest, even if that means losing a sale. And so I think it's it's important that you feel like the vendor that you're working with is not a salesperson, but is a solution partner and is really making an effort to try and learn and understand the challenges that you're facing and, you know, kind of helping solution with you. And, and again, if that solution doesn't always lead to a sale, that they're okay with that because they know that the, that they're more about the, the long game, not necessarily the meeting the quarterly metrics or the, um, the quotas. Uh, you know, I always find that the salespeople I've dealt with, you know, I always find out when is their fiscal year because I always know I can get the best deal at the, uh, at the end of the quarter or at the end of the fiscal year. Um, and, and, you know, that 
I always find that that's also when they come knocking because they're trying to get to their quotas. So, you know, again, it's, it's those vendors that understand our cycles, you know, and our budgeting and our priorities and our pain points and our challenges and are really trying to help be at, at the table to, to make things better and not just to get the commission, you know. Uh, you know, in, in your recent experience, any, any positive experience, uh, you know, some, some specific example that you can share, uh, Judith? things we do at Amtrak that I actually really like that um, I've not I've not done it to this extent in the past is we'll do quarterly business reviews with some of our larger vendors. Of course, we can't do it with every vendor, but where we're making large investments, we'll do these quarterly reviews. And in those reviews, we spend the first part of the meeting just getting an update on projects or, or different, um, in some cases, it's support initiatives that the vendor is providing to us, just kind of a high-level executive uh, update on how things are going. Then the second part of the meeting is more the value add. Where does that vendor, um, you know, where do they bring value to us? So in some cases, it might be introducing a product we weren't aware of. In other cases, it might be the industry knowledge. So one of the big things that that, uh, a recent vendor did is with COVID and everything that was going on with COVID, in one of these quarterly business reviews, they brought a, a presentation and experts from throughout their business who focus on the transportation industry and really understand globally, not just nationally, but globally, what are some of the other rail companies or transportation companies doing uh, to to manage through COVID. So they, they did this um, actually a couple of times. So when we were all trying to figure out what is COVID going to mean for us? And, you know, obviously we saw a huge dip in our revenues, a big impact, and it's going to be a very slow comeback. It's really good for us to know what are rail companies around the world doing? How are they changing the way they operate? Um, how are they changing their customer, you know, perspective? How are they, what are the uh, service changes are they making to be able to better accommodate the needs of the customer, you know, in these kind of uncertain times? What are they doing to make up for the revenue shortfalls? So things like that, wherever we can learn, it's a real value to us when our vendors come to us and say, hey, here's what we, you know, we've done a study or we've been out talking to our customers and here's what we've learned that you might want to know. That's been tremendous value. And it's, you know, it's nothing that's a paid service. It's all just value add that they're bringing as a partner. So that was a, a real good experience. We actually had a couple of vendors, uh, key strategic vendors, who did that for us. Very nice of them to do that, especially during these uh, trying times, right? Um, right. Yeah. And then also, uh, I remember my, my, you know, the, the quarterly business reviews are really very effective to your right, uh, Judith. In fact, sometimes what we also used to do was, uh, you know, when we used to have quarterly business reviews, we used to bring their executives and our executives together mm-hmm. and do some kind of a team event, uh, team building event outside uh, the, uh, the QBRs. So uh, those are pretty effective on an ongoing basis. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I've seen that done as well. And uh, you actually just reminded me of, of another positive one that uh, that we're working through right now, which is, you know, how to better leverage technologies we already own. So, you know, a lot of the revenue of these software vendors is the ongoing maintenance every year, and they want to make sure they keep us as a customer. So, one of the things that uh, that that uh, uh, one vendor did recently is they said. Um, you know, we actually initiated the conversation and said, we really want you all to be more of a strategic partner because we don't feel we're fully leveraging your system and we're paying a lot of money for it. And, 
you know, we want you to help us to partner with us and help us figure out what are we not using? Are there any quick wins, things that maybe we could be leveraging better? Uh, and then how do we prepare for continuous, you know, improvement and, and upgrades for the system, knowing that we have some pretty big upgrades we need to do? What could we be doing now to kind of better prepare ourselves? So we decided to form uh, kind of a two-pronged approach. One is that we have these executive meetings, and they're in addition to the QBRs, we actually raised it up to our business executives meeting with the vendor executives. Uh, it's really business and IT. Uh, and those we're, we're doing monthly for now. We'll, we'll reduce to quarterly once we get to a good rhythm. Uh, but then the second thing we did is we said, let's form sub-teams. Let's spin off these sub-teams focused on specific areas where we know there are opportunities, and let's bring the partners from the vendor and the partners from our business and the partners from IT and have them work on these collaborative, very focused initiatives to see how we can better use the technology we already have. And, you know, in the end, it ends up being a win-win because we're happier with the product, we feel better about using it. And then we're going to continue to, you know, expand our licensing and potentially our services down the road. That's pretty good. I mean, this is exactly the kind of information I was looking for. Um, you know, th thanks for sharing that, uh, mm -hmm. Judith. So you, you obviously have, um, you know, account managers or client partners from each of the partners that you currently work with, right? especially the strategic ones. What are your expectations from them? I mean, they, they obviously have quarterly quotas or yearly uh, quotas that they have to meet. But what are your expectations from from those teams? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously we have the account manager who I call when I have an issue or a question or we need more licenses. But what I really expect is that they're going to be the face of their company to us, but they're going to have a whole team behind them that they bring in depending when we need, you know, expertise in certain areas. So, you know, I, I, I do, I will tell you, there was a vendor you know, I worked with for many, many years at multiple companies because they're a very large vendor that's uh, that's widely known. And one of my frustrations was always that the account manager was like a revolving door. I couldn't even get to know the account manager before they made a change and the next account manager would come in. And at one point, and, and then they also gave us different account managers for the different uh, verticals. So I had somebody I would call for database, somebody else I would call for infrastructure, someone else I would call for middleware, and, you know, I never knew who to call for what. And I, it just got frustrating to the point where I said, look, I need one person, one single account manager, and that person needs to go coordinate with all the other people behind the scenes, and that should be invisible to me. You just bring me the people that, you know, I need in order to resolve or address the topic of the moment. And so that's what I would expect, especially, again, with these larger vendors where I don't have to try and figure out who the right person is to call. I just have a single, uh, you know, point of contact and a single partner, again, who can work with me and understand my business and then bring the right people to the table when it's appropriate. Um, and then I would also, again, as I mentioned earlier, I expect them to invest in the time in learning and understanding both our business and um, our pain points and opportunities so that they are strategic. You know, I understand smaller vendors where maybe we're not spending as much money aren't necessarily always going to be able to do that. But certainly for the larger strategic vendors, the ones where we know, you know, we're going to have a long-term relationship and particularly where we're spending a lot of money, uh, you know, that's what I'd be looking for in that relationship and in that partnership. 
Yeah, and obviously you need uh, one neck to choke if you may, mm-hmm. right? Did you get that from that partner, uh, Judith, finally? Um, you know, it got better. <laughs> it it definitely got better. <laughs> we um we we were able to get a single point person and they actually stayed for a few yeah, I think we probably had someone maybe the longest was, you know, two and a half, three years. Uh but that's still a long time in the in the sales world, I think. Um yeah, so it, it definitely got better. And I think the feedback helps too. You know, and sometimes we have to just continue to escalate till we get the right person to talk to who's really listening. Uh, but we, uh, you know, we, we did see some improvement. I have also seen a lot of value, uh, especially in the existing relationships of having an executive sponsor from mm-hmm. both sides, uh, Judith, from the partner side and from the client side. Um, your views on it, do you find that uh, useful having an executive sponsor? I definitely agree with you on that. And in fact, one of the things that I would always ask is, you know, I want my one throat to choke or one person to call, but I also want to know who do I call when I need to escalate. So I always ask for that, um, you know, the, the org chart from the vendor, show me your chain of command, show me, you know, provide me the contact information if I need to escalate, who do I call? And to your point, it's also good to have the, uh, you know, my day-to-day contact is that account manager, but somebody at a more strategic executive level who is, uh, again, thinking about the relationship in a bigger picture and is, is uh, partnering with, you know, our executive sponsor on our side. So completely agree with you that that's especially for these bigger relationships that's critical the way you have sales teams who are already in the account your existing partners uh, there are also multiple sales organizations are knocking on your door trying to get in and especially when you're working on newer initiatives you probably talk to them right any best practices any experiences that experiences that you would like to share there uh, judith yeah, like you said, I get a ton of cold calls, and it seems like I've noticed lately uh, people are getting my phone number, and you know more than more than in the past. When I switch jobs, you, there's this grace period where nobody knows you're there, so they don't know how to find you, <laughs> and, and you don't get you know there's less email, and you don't get as much junk mail, and as many uh, you know cold calls. Uh, but a year and a half in, they found me now. So I, you know, I think it's. Um, I always, uh, I, you know, I, honestly, I always kind of glance through to see because occasionally it's somebody's at the right place at the right time answering the exact question I was just asking myself. <laughs> so, uh, you know, sometimes I'll see, for example, we, we're, you know, we're going through uh, looking at a couple of different um how do we apply robotic process automation, for example? What are some good use cases? Who are the vendors in the space? Things like that. Um, same with machine learning and artificial intelligence, analytics. You know, these are all kind of trends that we're we, we've started. Um, in some cases, we're we're pretty far along, but um, you know, started exploring. So, if I'm kind of wondering about a topic and I see an email kind of float by of a, a cold call from a vendor that looks like Oh well, that might be that might be interesting to know. Then you know, I'll forward it to our supplier management team. We actually um, typically work everything through our procurement or procurement or supplier management at this role. Previous roles, I may have picked up the phone or sent an email, uh, but uh, but I might pursue. Hey, let's see if we can get a little more information. But I do that very selectively because honestly, there's just so many of them that. If I answered, I mean, I could, that could be a full-time job, just answering cold calls. Um, I've started not answering my phone. 
So I would recommend vendors don't call because I, I just, if I don't recognize the number and it's not my contacts, I don't pick it up for the same reason, <laughs> because, you know, it's just, you know, I, I can't spend all day on, on cold calls. So I typically selectively um, respond to those. What I tend to do more so when I'm trying to find vendors for certain things is, you know, I'll leverage Gartner quite a bit. I'll look at the magic quadrants or we'll have analyst calls to find out who are the leading vendors in that space. Uh, so that's a big resource for us. I'll also F my network. You know, if I'm looking for a vendor in a certain space, I'll, I'll reach out to my network and say, Hey, has anyone had particular success with vendors in this, in, you know, in this space and this technology and get recommendations? Um, again, the procurement process is where I am now at Amtrak are fairly rigorous. We follow, uh, you know, m- most, uh, most of our awards go through a fairly competitive bidding process. Uh, and so vendors have to, uh, you know, be, you know, get into that process and be looking for those, those uh, SOWs when they go out for bid. Um, we also do actually leverage a model we call packetized where we'll pre-qualify vendors for certain types of work. And we go through that process every two to three years. And then once we've pre-qualify those vendors when there's a new solicitation, it only goes to that pool of resources. So it makes it quicker for us to be able to go through the procurement process because we've already vetted those those vendors. I haven't seen that elsewhere. So that's um, that's something that, that was fairly unique when I took this role, although other companies may do the same. But uh, it, it also means, though, it limits the opportunity for a new vendor. It's hard for them to get their foot in the door. They kind of have to go through the you know, understand the cycle of when the bids open back up again to get in that in that pool. Got it, got it. And it opens up once in something like once in two years, three years or something like exactly. that. Exactly. And it depends on what it's for. We do that with, for example, staff augmentation vendors. We'll do that every two to three years. And we don't do that for everything, but we do it for some where it's more common. You know, some of the more common services where there's quite a few, you know, vendors in the space and we'll select you know, I, I I don't know the exact number, you know, maybe 10 vendors that are pre-qualified. <clears throat> but there's others where we do go out to full RFP. Uh, but in general, you know, I, I guess my advice to a vendor who's trying to get a foot in the door, uh, you know, the cold calls, it, it really is all around being at the right place at the right time. Uh, certainly some of the conferences, you know, that, that uh, bring vendors, uh, I've actually found some some good vendors through uh, conferences where they're serving on a panel or they're one of the guest speakers so you can learn a little bit more about the technology. Um, the other day I participated in, in an interesting uh, kind of online experience where it was <clears throat> kind of like speed dating where the vendors each had a very short window, it was less than five minutes to give kind of an elevator speech of their technology and it allowed IT leaders to be exposed to multiple vendors all at one time where they could say, oh, I have an interest in that. Now I have a, a contact I can reach out to. So I thought that was that was kind of interesting to be able to get little snippets of information to see, do I want to learn more? This was an online conference where you were talking about these vendors? Um, it was actually sponsored by the Inspire CIO group that I just mentioned. And it was, um, you know, this kind of broader network of CIOs. Uh, but Inspire CIO organized the event for their membership. So that is uh, I, something I think they do 
periodically. It was the first time I had participated. But it may be, you know, an idea for vendors to get connected to either organizations like that or to um, some of the other networking organizations where it's communities of IT leaders that are looking to, to do some type of an event and are looking for vendors to participate. So I do think sponsoring events and, and, uh, and, and finding opportunities like that is probably a, a good, fruitful way for, for vendors to make new connections. Great advice. Uh, th- thanks for that, Judith. During this COVID time pandemic, um, have you uh, seen lo- a different approach in terms of people trying to reach out to you? Are they still calling you or is this mostly emails? <laughs> um, you know, I still get some of both. <laughs> I do still get the phone calls and I do still get the emails. Um, I haven't seen a tremendous change. I will say that I think uh, vendors probably understand more that with the challenges that COVID presented, a lot of organizations just don't have the funds that they had previously. So probably makes their job twice as hard, you know. <laughs> Uh, but I, I'm still seeing cold calls and uh, and emails as well. So while while you're talking about um, you know pandemic and working from home, I wanted to check: are there any um, uh, any experiences, funny experiences that you want to share about working from home, uh, Judith? <laughs> um, you know, I'm trying to think. I mean, uh, aside from you know minimizing the distractions, for the first six months of COVID, I was working out of my dining room, so it was like Grand Central Station because it was right in the middle of the house. Um, but uh, but then uh, then we did some rearranging, and now I have uh, a real office with a door, which is very nice. Um, but, you know, it's been interesting. I was on a call this morning, and someone's cat came and sat in their lap, and I've been on the <laughs> – I've been calls on calls where people's animals go, you know, walking across their desks, and mine likes to give me a massage on my back. She comes up on my uh, – I have a standing desk, so she'll stand on my chair – behind me I'm usually standing and she'll you know give my back a massage and and uh, say hello to the folks on the video calls <laughs> uh, but uh, so I think a lot of a lot of animals I've seen some kids you know uh, on, on the other end of the camera trying to contribute to the conversation but I think we've all gotten you know really uh, flexible and understanding about these various uh, situations that, you know, maybe in the past, you know, two years ago, if somebody was working remote and their, their kid popped their face in the, in the camera, it might not have been as well received as, as it is today. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think we're a lot more flexible these days. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And, and uh, I have an office with four doors, uh, Judith. So I work from my car most of the time. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my goodness. In your current role, uh, I mean, you, you don't usually have too much time, too much bandwidth, right? But how do you still manage to keep yourself up to date on what is happening, uh, the latest, uh, Judith? Yeah, you know, um, it's a good question. I, I do rely on our vendors actually quite a bit. So that's another value add I may not have mentioned before, um, you know, new products and what's going on in the, in the space. That is something where a lot of our vendors, We, for example, we were having a conversation the other day with a vendor about digital twins and someone on the call mentioned, you know, it'd be great to learn more about digital twins. So they said, well, we're happy to set something up. So they set up a follow-up call and, and that was the topic. And we just, you know, it was more of a learning. Um, We're also doing some similar things with some other vendors where we've asked them to help us set up learning sessions where uh, every two weeks or once a month, they just come in and educate us about a certain topic, whether it's kind of what's going on in the industry or, 
It's, you know, what's going on related to a specific technology. Uh, yeah, so I do rely actually quite a bit on our vendors to kind of help us stay up to date. And then I also, uh, just being a part of the community I mentioned before, the Capital CIO group, which is part of the broader Inspire CIO, um, I, you know, I get to interact with a lot of other IT leaders, and we talk about challenges we're having and key initiatives. And so, you know, just listening to what other people are doing is also, uh, you know, really another way to learn. And then there are certain certain folks that I follow that uh, that have uh, either podcasts or, or articles that just kind of help me keep up to date with what's going on in the industry. And then a lot of it is also just trying to, you know, keep up with some of those uh, those cold call emails that come in just so I, I'm learning because some of them are informative. Uh, you know, there are occasional ones that are talking about developments in, in different technologies or different areas. Lovely points. Uh, so any any of those podcasts that you can name? Sure. Uh, there's one in particular, uh, Bill Murphy, who is with uh, a company called Red, Red Zone Technologies. Um, he's been doing for quite a few years these podcasts, interviewing different IT leaders, CIOs and other IT leaders. Uh, he actually had me on his show uh, right in the beginning of COVID. and. Uh, different topics. So it's, it's, you know, they, they vary. Some are more soft skill oriented and around, you know, transformation, leading change and those type of things, how to be a more influential leader. Um, but then a lot of them are on the technical side and looking at, you know, artificial intelligence or, um, you know, virtual reality and some of the other technologies. Security, of course, being a big topic because that's uh, really what his firm is focused on. But, I find his very interesting. And they're the kind of things where it's an interview, it's very informal and casual. Uh, so I, I enjoy those quite a bit. Um, and then there's another uh, website that I, I'm i on a, a weekly um, kind of email distribution from, and then I'll, I'll kind of keep up with the articles. Because, again, it's, it's contributed by IT leaders. Uh, it's called the Enterprisers Project, and it's put on by Red Hat, supported by Red Hat. Uh, and that one has just, again, good articles, um, short relevant uh, articles about a variety of different topics. And again, because the content is all CIO or IT leader provided, you know, it's very relevant. It's things that, you know, it's a perspective that I can relate to. So I, I enjoy both of those. Awesome. So I'll, I'll try to find the links and I'll probably include them in the description for the listeners, uh, Judith. Sure. I'm happy to share those if you can't find them. Okay. Awesome. Great. Uh, another thing we used to do um, uh, for our customers was in terms of learning is we used to do what we call as innovation days, uh, where we used to go and set up a complete like like a conference uh, exhibitor hall setup where you have uh, small booths and each uh, booth is about a particular topic like digital twin could be one of them or industrial Ford Auto by itself could be one of them. You know, each, each one of them and, you know, people walk in for the whole day, they listen to it and learn from it. That, that's that's about it. The, the intent was so that the people learn across organization. That worked really well. Yeah, I agree. Those are also very helpful. Finally, um, it would be great uh, to get your advice for the sales heads who actually manage the sales team selling into enterprises. Yeah, you know, I, I think going back to a couple of the things that we've talked about and, you know, I, I guess it's twofold. One is how do you get in the foot in the door? And then the second is once your foot is in the door, how do you keep it there? Uh, you know, as far as how do you get your foot in the door, you know, I think different organizations, um, some some organizations may be more difficult than others, as, as I mentioned, you know, because most of our 
interactions with vendors are filtered through our supplier management team or our procurement team, it does make it a little more challenging sometimes for a new vendor to, to get introduced. So I think just understanding how different organizations manage their procurement processes and what the different opportunities are to to be introduced. Uh, yeah, so I think there's some homework that has to has to be done by the vendor to to really understand the best way to interact with a specific organization. Uh, obviously, keeping an eye out for any solicitations that are that are coming that are publicly uh, available, and then. Again, looking for those opportunities to partner with uh, organizations that might be putting on a conference or these innovation days or the information sharing sessions. Um, but I would really strongly uh, suggest looking at it as a partnership and not a selling opportunity because I think that CIOs and IT leaders can smell the sale, um, you know, far away, whereas I think they also recognize when a vendor is, is truly looking for their best interest and trying to be a, a good partner. Uh, and I think those interactions are going to be a lot more welcomed than the ones that are, are just about the sale. Um, so that's, I guess, some of the advice I've given in terms of trying to get a foot in the door. And then I think once once there's a relationship, uh, you know, to maintain that and to grow that is all around how do you bring value? How do you make sure that you're perceived as a strategic partner to that organization? How do you learn more about some of their challenges and opportunities and, and how you can leverage technology to help? How do you bring information that may not be readily available to them by you know either research you've done on your own or your organization has done? Uh, how do you bring that value so you can show that you're more than just a, a service provider or a software provider? You're actually a, a value creator. You're a solution partner. You're, you know, looking to to help them advance both their career and their company. I think those are the kinds of, of relationships that are going to be the most effective and and the most long lasting. These are really great points. Now, before we uh, close for the day, is there any final word that you want to leave for the uh, the listeners? Anything would like to uh, say which we could have missed? You know, the only thing I'll add, Zia, is that. Uh, thinking back, you know, our relationship, uh, the reason we know each other is you were a very effective vendor to me in, uh, you know, in my past. And I have others where I've maintained those relationships even after I've left the company. And in some cases, I haven't been able to bring those vendors in because there's just not a need or a fit. Uh, but I have, you know, because that vendor was so helpful to me, I've, uh, you know, I've, I've tried to maintain those relationships because, and I've made referrals too. You know, I'll refer a vendor if they've been really effective and, and helped me, you know, move the needle or I've seen the good work they've done. Um, I'm more than happy to refer that vendor to, to others who might be able to use their services. Um, by the way, I should also mention that the award that you, you mentioned earlier, the Orby Award, I was nominated by one of our vendors. And otherwise, I would not have known about that award. It was new to me, but our data center provider at the time had had, we had some challenges with the services they were providing. And we went through uh, a pretty difficult but productive uh, process to, to turn that relationship around. And he actually appreciated the way we interacted with each other. And that's why he nominated me for the award. And it ended up, you know, one thing led to another and it's been a really great experience. But I never forgot that. And I think that that's important too. Is if if you can help, uh, you know, promote your customer and help your customer be successful, those are things and you know, those are actions they won't forget. 
and they'll come back to you. I always say what comes around goes around, you know, the, the, the whole old adage. So um, I would encourage that as well. And I'll, I'll put a little plug in for, um, for Inspire CIO and the Orby Awards. Uh, anyone can nominate a CIO for those awards. And a lot of the nominations do come from vendors. And uh, vendors can also play a, a bigger part in those uh, in those awards if they'd like to. But um, that is a great way to get introduced and also to kind of solidify those relationships is to kind of help promote your your business. Um, I'm sorry, your your customer. That's great. And and like you rightly said, uh, this is about partnership, right? And partnership is a two-way street. You have been a great partner to work with. So thanks for that. And thanks for, uh, you know, taking the time to uh, do this call for me today. Greatly appreciate that. A lot of great learnings, and I'm sure there will be a lot of people who would want to you know, have you come back again. Thanks again for your time today, Judy. Really appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me again. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please do subscribe to the podcast, and I will greatly appreciate if you can leave a review. If you have any suggestions for future guests or any feedback, please write to me at zia at sellingtoenterprises.com. See you on the next episode. Thank you.